John Mowry joins us, CIO at NFJ Investment Group. John, welcome to the show. So today we heard uh, Jay Powell is not too deterred, uh, but uh, he's also not super eager to fulfill the most hawkish expectations when there's a war going on in Eastern Europe. Uh, what do you think that means for investors? Uh, did he change anything? Did he add anything to the conversation today? Yeah, uh, good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Um, I do believe that was incrementally dovish and the markets like that. A 50 basis point increase would have been um, you know, out of you know the realm in, in terms of recent history, in terms of what the Fed's done. So I think that incrementally, that was a dovish move by the Fed. The equity markets have responded positively to that. And I think that's probably prudent because I think that uh, making a 50 basis point move would almost be the admission of some type of a policy mistake to do that um, and then have to explain why you didn't do a 25 previously. So I think that that was a prudent move by Powell. I think their markets responded favorably. Um, and I think that that probably sets up um, well uh, as we move through the crisis uh, in Russia uh, as investors begin to look at valuations. Because the reality is, if you look at earnings growth coming out of um, you know the fourth quarter and into this earnings season, continue to be very favorable. And you've had a lot of multiple compression with the rate increase expectations. And now that you have this exogenous shock in Russia, you've really created some dislocations and opportunities for equity investors. Mm. And uh, where do those stand out the most? Where are the biggest dislocations uh, right now that you uh, feel are an opportunity? Great question. So I think a couple areas I point to in the US and then I'll pivot to the emerging markets. Okay. Uh, within the US, I think that uh, particularly some of the industrials look attractive. Um, you know, I point to the rails as an area where we're seeing some attractive opportunities. Um, you know, those are cyclical by nature, but they have high recurring revenue, very stable businesses, uh, and they have large moats around those uh, those franchises. So I think that's a really interesting area for investors to consider. Um, I'd also uh, look at the uh, specialty REITs, particularly some of the towers and data centers. Those have been banged up with the expectation that rates would move higher and would put pressure on those companies that typically might be a little more sensitive to uh, to yields. But the reality is the towers in particular have escalators that are built in. Um, they're growing their FFO at double digit rates. And there isn't a lot of competition for many of these. There's you know, more, more or less a, you know, a, only a handful that operate in that space like an American Power or Crown mm. Castle. So I think that is 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 areas where investors could, could pick up uh, potential opportunities if, if I were to pivot briefly uh, to the emerging markets, sure. I think that is a really interesting story. Um, you know, the perception is, hey, emerging markets must be just in the uh, doghouse, given what's happening with Russia. Um, emerging markets are actually outperforming the S&P by 500 basis points. If you were to go into a, a cocktail party and suggest that, I, you'd probably be laughed at, but it, it is true. So, uh, you know, that's kind of interesting. And, and you think, well, why is that? Well, they're, they're cheap. Uh, you have to go back to 98. Uh, and 2001 to see a dislocation between the emerging markets and the S&P 500 of this magnitude. And what's pretty cool is that if you bought the emerging markets in October of 98 with a similar dislocation, you're still beating the S&P today by 100 basis points annualized. The same thing would have occurred in 01. If you bought the emerging markets in October of 01, very scary time to step into the emerging markets, you're still beating the S&P 500 uh, by 100 basis points per year. Mm. So I do think there's opportunity there. Um, and the reality is, even though Russia's in the headlines, Russia comprises uh, roughly 150 basis points of the emerging market uh, opportunity set. 
To put that in comparison, that's smaller than the weight of Berkshire Hathaway in the S&P 500. So one stock in the S&P 500 at 150 bips is bigger than the aggregate weight of all the Russian stocks in the emerging market index. So it's a relatively small weight and actually ranks 12th in the lineup of the top emerging market weights mm. uh, in, that, uh, in that index. John, uh, one of the few charts, as I point out at the top of the show, that actually has some momentum upwards is the dollar right now. Does that create an issue uh, for emerging market uh, investors right now? I think a stronger dollar is, is no doubt, uh, you know, somewhat of a headwind, but I think the regulatory crackdown that occurred in China has more than compensated for that. Um, so I think when you look particularly at China, I think that's gonna be a net winner uh, with, with the dislocations that are occurring and the turmoil that has, has occurred because of what's uh, happened in Russia. So I think China is somewhere that investors should be focused on and looking at because there's no doubt that the dollar is, is somewhat of a headwind, but if you look at the debt that's denominated in dollars in the emerging market today versus say 15, 20 years ago, it's materially different. So you're not gonna have the same type of a pinch on the credit markets uh, that the emerging markets rely on that you would have maybe 15, 20 years ago. Uh, additionally, you've had the reliance on oil shift over time in the emerging markets. Um, and so I think that also is gonna create an opportunity there. So I think those are those are all positives. I think the, the strengthening dollar is 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 a good headline but i think that if you look underneath at the fundamentals particularly in asia you'll see that valuations have more than discounted that strong earnings growth strong dividend growth and a diversified portfolio that accesses those in a prudent manner uh, should be an interesting way for investors to compound their capital in that space mm, okay uh, john case well made i like the uh long-term data on uh, buying uh when uh there is uh, a lot of risk in the moment and how that ultimately pays off for EM. So far too, uh, the dollar chart hasn't been too much of a problem. EM doing better than US on the year. Thanks for joining us here this afternoon. Good stuff, John. Great, thank you so much.